I love it when uh, when there's a, a serendipitous kind of event, like when the Lord intervenes and through His Spirit does something that you're not really anticipating. Like, for example, when we uh, set forth a schedule for the lessons and sermons at the beginning of the year, we do this in August, and then we schedule them for the remainder of the year. And, you know, you don't know exactly how things are going to work out in terms of the events that are happening in the life of the church at any moment. And so you could schedule something conceivably that would be oriented in a certain direction, and the church is, for whatever reason, events are taking place that really aren't in sync with that decision at all. But in this case, things have worked out extremely well because this morning we're talking specifically about ministering in the name of Jesus. This is kind of one of those one-off Sundays when we get away a little bit from our Tenacious Faith series in Hebrews and we talk about some things uh, that are just different than that. Next Sunday we're going to do that again. J. Don Rogers is going to be here. And so we're grateful that J. Don will come and talk to us about the Ukraine. And then on the 21st of December we're going to have something oriented toward Christmas. And so... The, We've got a number of weeks here that are just a little bit different than our typical Hebrew studies. Well, in this case, in talking about the, ministering, uh, the ministry of the church and ministering in the name of Jesus, it's certainly not just a coincidence uh, that we're talking about it this morning. I think it's of God. I think that the Holy Spirit sets things up. And so at the same time that we're talking about ministry this morning, we have a chance to also have uh, some special opportunities available to us specifically with reference to to ministry, and I'll, I'll talk about those in a little while. What I want to do first is to talk about ministry uh, as a word, the, the word ministry, and how this crops up in the New Testament, and how it crops up in the church, how it's framed by the Bible, and what it looks like. I want to start with actually looking at these, this word minister, or ministry, and then look at three different ways that it seems to me the New Testament talks about ministering and ministry. Being good Church of Christ people, when we talk about ministry, one of the things that we talk about, interestingly enough, is the fact that all of us are ministers. And so when we start talking about ministry and minister, we tend to gravitate toward a perspective that would see that word referring to servanthood. And I think that's right. I think that made sense. Like we're one of those groups that says we're all ministers, the priesthood of all believers. We all minister in the name of Jesus. And that's a solid New Testament concept. And there's a sense in which, indeed, we are all ministers because Jesus calls us to be ministers. And we'll, we'll look at this more in just a bit, but that's certainly a concept that is very familiar to us and key to us, the notion that when we talk about minister or ministry, we talk about servant. So generally in the New Testament, minister equals servant Ministry equals service. And by the way, you notice my color scheme here. Does it not fit with the year, with where we're at in terms of our year? There's, I'm going to say more about this later on too, so don't completely overlook the color scheme. Well, that's one notion of ministry that is kind of central to what we are, or who we are, and I think we get that and we know that. Now, it might interest you to know that ministry or minister sometimes equals serving or preaching the word or the gospel. And so we're right when we talk about minister or ministry in terms of it being servanthood. We would go too far if we thought it was a mistake, for example, to call somebody who preaches the gospel or who serves the word of God a minister. 
And let me show you what I mean. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 in your Bibles. And I want you to just notice the way that the word ministry is used here a couple of times in these verses. I'm going to read down through verse 4. It says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now that's interesting. Because usually when we talk about ministering or minister, we equivocate that word with servanthood, with servants, like I saw before. Here, however, in Acts 6, that word is specifically related to the preaching of the gospel, to the ministry of the word of God. And so clearly there is at least one other way that the notion of being a minister can be used according to the New Testament. And that has to do with serving or preaching the word of God or the Bible, the gospel. Now, there's some other places where this is found. And just in case you're thinking, well, Kelly, that's only one. There's probably not very many of those. There is at least a couple more. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is another text with which we're pretty familiar. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, we're pretty familiar, I think, with that text. We understand that that text calls all of us to minister in the gospel, to serve people with the word of God, to call them to reconciliation. But it's interesting that he specifically uses the word minister again to describe this act of preaching the gospel or communicating the word of God. So clearly the word minister itself, while it in its basic meaning has definitely the connotation of service, also has to do specifically with the service of the gospel or the preaching of the gospel. And then thirdly, I think there's biblical precedence for the word to be used of those who are appointed to some kind of specific task within the church. And so I'd like you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And again, this is a text with which you probably will be pretty familiar. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and in verse 8 it says, Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. 
Well, that's interesting, of course, because he uses the word deacon there. And many of us are a little bit familiar with the fact that the word deacon in 1 Timothy chapter 3 means exactly the same thing as the word minister or servant. In fact, oftentimes that word is translated as servant or minister, or the, another form of it, diakonia, is translated as ministry. So you have special servants, it would appear, or special ministers or special deacons who are appointed to a task within the church. It says they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, not temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon or a servant or a minister must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So we have, first of all, the definition of ministry as this general form of service within the body of Jesus Christ in which all of us are involved. Then there is the use of the word minister to describe those who specifically talk to others about Jesus. And so there's the communication of the gospel, the communication of the word that also is referred to as ministry. And then last we, lastly, we, we just saw that the minister or ministry sometimes equals or refers to special servants appointed by the church to accomplish needed tasks. Okay? Now, at this point you're thinking, okay, so we've done a word study this morning, we've talked about some definitions, pretty dry stuff. Okay? But it doesn't stay there. And it doesn't stay there because of the opportunities that God gives us to be servants for him. And so I want to go back to this idea. Generally, in the New Testament, minister equals servant, ministry equals service. And that's really where I want to be this morning. Talking about the notion that God has called us all to, in some sense, be his servants. Those who give up our lives for God. And then specifically, as we give ourselves up for God, we minister in certain ways. In fact, minister in the way that Jesus does. I want you to turn first to Matthew chapter 20. And just see how central this notion of servanthood is to what Jesus was preaching and teaching. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. The text says that the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. And so the mother of James and John comes to Jesus and she has some things she wants to ask. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can. They answered. Now, they actually could. In fact, they did, in one sense, drink this cup. They had no idea what they were saying, of course, at this point. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the call there, clearly, to each one of us is to give our lives for the benefit and the service of others. And it runs absolutely in contrast to everything else we seem to hear in our world. I don't know if there's anything that is so directly in conflict with where the world is heading than this passage that calls us to give up our lives for others. On the surface of things, according to the world, this just seems totally ludicrous, absolutely stupid. Why would someone do this? They would have, they'd lose everything. But Jesus calls us to give ourselves up completely for him. Now I want you to flip back to Matthew chapter 11. Because there is a way in which this touches us specifically and directly this morning. And this is what I find so serendipitous, so fortunate that the Holy Spirit dropped this into our laps. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Now that is a strange question for John to be asking. John was there when Jesus was baptized. John is the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John was pointing everybody else to Jesus and saying, he's the one. I must decrease, he must increase. Jesus was recognized by John as the one. And we could maybe point back to his in-the-womb experience, even. Recognizing that this one, this one who was going to be the child of Mary, was someone special. So how is it that John, who says those things about Jesus, is now saying to Jesus, he sends a message and says, Are you the one? What is going on? And the reason that John says that is because the Messiahship under which Jesus is acting doesn't look at all like what what John was expecting. John was expecting a Messiah who's going to rise up against the Romans as a king. He's going to be a warrior. He's going to be David's offspring. He's going to have a sword. He's going to defeat the Romans. Why is it, Jesus, that you're not acting like this? Are you not the one? Instead, I see you preaching on the hilltops. I see you talking to the lowly people. You're making friends of Zacchaeus. You're a friend of Mary's. Like, do you know what kind of woman this is that you've been hanging around? Can you possibly be Messiah when you're acting like this? Consorting with the sinners and the drunkards, the immoral. What are you doing? I'm not sure you're the one. Look at the answer that Jesus sends back to John. Verse 4. Go back and report to John 
what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are being cured. The deaf are hearing again. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And he could have said, on account of my style of messiahship. And in Jesus' answer, we see a call to ourselves to be the kind of servant that Christ is. There's a specific call for us to minister like Jesus does, to generally be these servants to the disadvantaged and the marginalized. Clearly, one of the things that we need to be doing as a church is serving those in our community who are disadvantaged in all kinds of ways. And let me tell you, church, I love being part of a church that does that. I have never been a part of a church like this one that ministers to people like that as much as we do. Like, it's incredible. It's amazing to me. It's so wonderful, the things that we do. You know, every day, every single day during the week that our office doors are, well, they don't even have to be open. They can be locked. We still have people come, and they come to the doors to get food from this place, from you. Like, you may not know it or feel it or understand it, but every day you're feeding people because your contributions are going into the the food that feeds hungry people. And it happens every single day, multiple times a day. Multiple times a day, I see Nancy get out. She gets out of her desk. She walks by my door. She goes down. She gets food all day long. I get up. I go out. I get food. I bring it to people all day long. Dustin, like we're, we minister to people constantly. Those who are homeless come here for food. Sometimes, admittedly, they're drunk as could be. You know, I had an incident this week. When three drunk people came in, they sat in these chairs over there, and they sat there long enough that it was time for them to go. We had some other people in the building. They were really quite drunk, using some profanity, various things. And I just went and I said, you know, I'm glad we could give you some food, but it's, you know, it's time for you to, to go now. Two of them were fine. One of them, the guy sitting in the middle, the young guy, was not fine. And so he looked at me. As at first, he was sitting in his chair, and he looked at me as I was saying to him, well, it's time to go. And he said, get out of my face. Just like that. And I said, I'm not in your face. It's just time for you guys to go. So he stood up, and we were in each other's faces. <laughs> and, he was, and he was right there. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if he, if he goes to hit me, can I move to the side fast enough to get out of the way of his punch? That was kind of, that was what I was thinking about. And I thought, oh, of course. <laughs> so we, we had a little confrontation. And I said, look, I said, I'm going to call the police. And he said, I don't care what you call. He said, you can't talk to me like that. And I said, all I did was ask you to leave. You know, it's, it's time for you to go. So he took the food and he threw it on the floor. And he walked out and then he came back in and he grabbed all the food and took it out with him again. Meanwhile, by the way, our youth minister is down in his office hearing the whole thing. Never comes to my rescue. (laughs) 
Afterwards, Dustin says, he's, I mean, Dustin's tall, he's young. Dustin says to me afterwards, I, I said, did you hear that? He said, yeah, I heard the whole thing. Okay. So you heard the whole thing and you're in your office? Like Nancy was probably going to come out and save me. Anyway, we had this experience. Why did we have that experience? We had that experience and we do have experiences like that because we're doing some good things in the name of Jesus. I look out here at Larry and Joanna and I think about how hard they work to make this possible. It's incredible. Like Joanne comes by the building numerous times a week unloading hundreds of pounds of groceries so that people can have something to eat. And it's wonderful. And I praise the Lord. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that does just exactly that kind of thing. Our clothing exchange ministers to people every time we have it. We've talked about expanding the ministry because it's just it's such an effective ministry. I'd love for us to have more space where we could just keep clothes on hand all the time and give them to people. Sometimes people come by and say, do you have this? Well, no, we only do it a couple times a year. And I'm glad we do it a couple times a year, but it'd be wonderful if we could do it even more. Through the brown bag program, you know, some of you are involved with with making the lunches. Uh, Some of you are involved in buying the groceries for, uh, for the brown bag program. We have about 10 kids in local elementary schools and uh, a high school over here in the mall uh, for kids who, you know, high school kids who dropped out of school and are trying to make their way back. We feed about 10 kids a day. 10 kids a day. And the reason that they have something for lunch, those 10 kids, is because of our church, because of you. And I'm just thankful for the blessing and the privilege of being able to do that. God has blessed us with this opportunity. Several times a week we have groups in our building twice a week all day long on tuesdays and thursdays we have the calgary immigrant women's association that come in and use our building teach them they teach immigrant women uh english they teach them how to use the bus system they teach them how to shop uh you know and it's all gratis i am so grateful that we can do that and here's what this week i'm most grateful for on tuesday i was standing, I came out of my office, and there were two ladies standing in the foyer. One of them I recognized because she'd been to church last Sunday morning. She'd been here for our services, and she's from Iraq. She has some kind of Christian affiliation, but she came here last Sunday morning because she's new to the area and doesn't have a church home and, uh, and came here. She also is involved with SIWA, with the Calgary Immigrant Women's Association. She knows almost no English. So she was standing there, uh, you know, along with all the other Siwa women, she was here. And there was a Muslim woman that was with her. And she had the traditional hijab on. But her English was much better than the lady who was here last week for church. And so the Muslim lady says to me, I've brought my friend to you because she doesn't speak very good English. And she wants to know if you help families at Christmas time. And I said, yeah. We sure do. And she said she wants to know if you would be willing to help her family. They need some things. Her kids need some coats. They need shoes. You know, they they want to have a nice Christmas. They're wondering if you might be able to help them. And I said, absolutely, we can. So I had this conversation with this woman. I was just so glad that, that I could say, yeah, that's just exactly the kind of thing we do. So after I finished 
that they talked in Arabic for a bit, and the, the Muslim woman was saying to the Christian woman, yes, the, ch- the church will help you. You know, we're glad, you know, they want to help you. And then the Muslim woman turns to me and says, do you only help Christians? And I said, no. What's on your mind? And she said, I have no winter shoes. My kids can use some coats. My husband works construction. He only works during the summer. He's not working right now. And we could use some help. Could you help me? And I said, on December 18th or 19th, if you give me your name and address, we are going to deliver some things to you for Christmas. And she said that was great. And so I have her name, I have her address, I have the other lady's name, I have their address. And church, we're going to help them. And we have... We have four other families that we're going to help. Four uh, students, families from the schools where we take food. Uh, The school contacted us and said, can you please help these families at this time of year? And so I said yes. So we have six families that we want to help. And for those of you who are in life groups, especially if you're life group leaders, I sent a, a notice out to the life group leaders this week before I found out about the other two. And I said, we're going to help four families. Can we do that through the life groups? Let me know if your life, if your life group can take some responsibility for that. And, uh, and so we're in the process of making that happen. But here, here's the way it's going to work. Out on the uh, a table in the foyer, there are two pieces of paper. And they're, they're identical, the same. Like people have wondered, do I have to sign up on one or the other? You know, no. You can sign up on either one, but not both. Okay? Next Sunday morning you will have an opportunity to put a check in a box, put it in a bag. I I haven't figured out all the details yet, but next Sunday morning, you're going to have a chance to give some amount to us helping these six families for Christmas. In the meantime, the life group leaders are going to be working with me to organize how the life groups can get food and toys and clothing for these families. And and, and the life groups are going to help the four from the schools And the staff are going to buy what we need to buy for the other two families, for the lady here from Siwa and her Muslim friend. So we'll we'll take care of the two. Life groups can take care of the four. Your responsibility is to go out this morning when we finish and put down an amount next to a number on those pieces of paper out there and say, this is how much I'm going to bring next Sunday morning to give toward this effort. Okay? Now, one of the cool things that's happened is that we did this last year with the schools uh, and with the brown bag program, the school called us and said, you know, we have, you know, we call it, I can't remember how it worked, but anyway, we got some families and we ended up blessing them last year with the Christmas thing, just the way that we're doing this year. Well, Erica and Chris Alspach, who used to be with our church and who've now gone back to the States, they were in our life group last year and they contributed toward helping out these families. Chris emailed Steve Ason in the last week or so and said, if you guys are doing that again, I want to help out. And so we already have one check that's been given. <laughs> Isn't that cool? We already have this one check that's already been given by somebody who used to be part of our church who wants to help out with the ministry that we're continuing to do here. And so we, along with the Allspox 
we're going to do it again and bless these six families and we just need your help. We just need to sign up on the piece of paper and let us know how much you can give. Don't, you don't have to put your name down. I, I don't think anybody yet has put their name down. I, you know, I hope you don't. Don't put your names. Just put the amount and make sure that you're prepared next week with cash or a check where you can give that money and we're going to make sure that these families get uh, what they need for Christmas. Okay? Uh, and, and I have it up here in case, you just, in case you didn't understand exactly what I said just now. Then you can look at this. This morning we write down in the foyer how much uh, your family will give to help these six families. Bring the money next Sunday, December 14th. The life group representatives will be organized to purchase food and gifts for our four school families. Life group leaders, I will be communicating with you this week in order to coordinate uh, these purchases. The staff will make sure that the two Pebbles families, which is the, that's the program that the Calgary Im- Immigrant Women's Association runs here in our building, um, We'll make sure the two Pebbles families receive their food and gifts, and then the distribution will take place on December 18th and 19th, a Thursday and Friday, okay? So that's what I hope we do. Uh, The first service was already generous. It was wonderful to see the way that they responded. I'm sure that you'll respond the same because that's who you are. That's the kind of church we have. And I am so blessed, I can't tell you how much it blesses me to be a part of a church like that. Let's pray. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for the gift of service. You have have given us opportunity where we can serve you. And we're so grateful that you bless us with these opportunities. Help our hearts with abundance to flow with service. And we pray, God, that people will be blessed. People who need so badly uh, the gospel and the blessings that the gospel can bring to them. And also the the goodness of your rich uh, bounty to them. They need this, Father. We want to bless them. We pray that you'd help us to do so in every way. Help us to have the, the kind of impact in people's lives that we want to have. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.